0: Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo. Hello friends, it's good to see you, good to have you. Thank you for being here, thank you for your practice. Thank you always for your support. Liking and subscribing takes you a few seconds, but it's a Bodhisattva act because it helps to propagate this resource and get more people excited about their Nichiren Doctrine, Doctrinal Practice. Of Lotus Sutra Buddhism. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, as for the rest, you know where the links are in the description. Please u- make use of the free resources, the podcasts and so forth, and any of the printed or uh, ebook materials uh, that will support your practice. Um, I am busily working on uh, the Threefold Lotus Quoon, Quantum Buddhism reformatting, reinterpretation and melding of a Lotus Sutra translation that will synthesize within or, I don't know, it, it will be like these videos and podcasts where it will be the Lotus Sutra, the threefold Lotus Sutra. So it will have the prologue of the innumerable meanings, which... I'm suggesting is a label for the Lotus Sutra. It's kind of like a movie trailer, right? The movie trailer has the same name as the movie or maybe they name the trailer a little differently to identify it as the trailer, but the trailer invariably is about the movie and has chunks of the movie in it to, to kind of whet your appetite and tell you what you're in store for, right? So the innumerable, innumerable, mouthful, meanings (laughs) sutra is that for the Lotus Sutra. And then the the final chapter or the epilogue, if you will, of the Lotus Sutra. So my wonderful commentary (laughs) will be injected uh, not only to explain uh, certain terms that might need that or, or situations, within the Lotus Sutra, but more to the point of bringing Nitrin's insights and elucidations into the Lotus Sutra. So we can see very clearly as we read the Lotus Sutra, this is where Nichiren, uh This is something nitran talks about all the time, reminds us about, or this is, uh, looks like source material for nitran reminds us of this all the time. Kind of meld the scholarship So that as one reads the Lotus Sutra, one is also learning and uh, maybe gains insights into our Nichiren doctrine of the practice of Lotus Sutra Buddhism, right? Since uh, that sutra is so much the cornerstone of uh, thousands of years, really, of scholarship, uh, certainly from Nichiren's influences back to... Well, Nichiren talks all the way back to Nagarjuna and so forth, Um, but certainly from Tendai on, we know Nichiren uh, was very uh, enamored, very um, structured by uh, Tendai doctrines all the way through Saicho and Dengyo, right? Um, So anyway, this Lotus Sutra won't be strictly the Lotus Sutra, but it will be uh, the Lotus Sutra Buddhism as seen through the eyes of our Nichiren, uh, mentor, right? So it'd be something different, something that's not out there. Uh, and of course I'm going to be doing my best to remove all of the cultural and religious bias in the words. So it's, I'm going to uncloud the language as much as I can. All right. So let's get into the next chapter of, uh, Leon Hurwitz's translation of the Lotus Sutra. And we're on chapter 14. He calls it comfortable conduct, which, uh, I don't know. I suppose, uh, I, you know, translations are translations, right? To me, comfortable conduct sounds like fitting rooms at a clothing store. But uh, <laughs> uh, I prefer other, other uh, translations will show this as peaceful Uh, practices, or uh, agreeable um, propagation practice. There's different translations for the title, being that, as it may, chapter 14, at that time, Manjushri, the Dharma prince, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, addressed the Buddha, saying, O world-honored one, very rarely do, do there exist such Bodhisattvas as these, who out of respectful obedience to the Buddha utter a great vow to keep and hold, to read and recite this scripture of the Dharma Blossom, this Myoho Renge in the latter evil age, the latter degenerate age, if you will. O world-honored one, how can a Bodhisattva Mahasattva preach this scripture in the later evil age? Right? Manjushri, right? He's like, okay, this is all well and good, all of this flowery talk and these huge vows, and it's quite it's quite something, not putting it down, he's saying. But um, so this uh this period of time, a thousand years in the future, or two thousand years in the future, or, or even longer. Um, how are these bodhisattvas, no matter how Strong they are. <laughs> Teach this in 2,500 years. I, I, I'm not getting it. You know, They are human beings after all, right? So Manjushri is always good to kind of bring the... Even though this is all about the mind and mentations, Manjushri kind of keeps bringing things back to earth, right? And you'll see how that. I make a point of that because in the next few chapters, you're going to see uh, this is going to be a seminal kind of a question. The Buddha declared to Manjushri, okay, you want to know if in the latter evil age a Bodhisattva Mahasattva wishes to preach this scripture, he must dwell securely in four dharmas. First, By dwelling securely in the place where the Bodhisattva acts, in the place that he approaches with familiarity, he shall be able to set forth this scripture for the sake of living beings. Manjushri, what is meant by the place where the Bodhisattva Mahasattva acts? If a Bodhisattva Mahasattva dwells on the ground of forbearance, if he is gentle, agreeable, Good and acquiescent, not given to fits of violence, nor at heart becoming alarmed. If further he performs no act with respect to the dharmas, but views the dharmas in keeping with their true marks. In other words, all dharmas are descriptors of experience, but the descriptors aren't things. Experience is something. But the dharma, that experience, it's, it's only perceived in the mind, right? If also he performs no act and commits no discrimination, this is called the place where the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas act. Interesting. What is meant by the place that the Bodhisattva Mahasattva approaches with familiarity the Bodhisattva Mahasattva does not approach with familiarity kings or princes of realms, nor ministers or senior officials. Right? Because somebody who's exhausted their attachments, liberated themselves from samsaric cravings and clingings, wouldn't have anything to do with people of political power or, well, obviously, those are people admired in craving and clinging, so why would you associate, right? He does not approach with familiarity the followers of external paths. Oh, uh, you know, you're, you're a Mennonite? Oh, nice. Uh, have a nice day. Bye. <laughs> right? It's no need for that. Nor Brahmins, nor Narganthas, heretical monks, uh especially jain oh they point out the jains here a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that jainism is uh, a form of buddhism uh no <laughs> it's a, it, it's actually not only not buddhism but it um it takes from buddhism a lot of rhetoric and then it uh, to say it diminishes it isn't they they really trash the meaning and converted into justification for some of their own uh, mythical ideas, but uh, um, enough enough to say that it it certainly is not Buddhism, nor those who compose worldly letters, nor those who sing the praises of external writings, nor lokayatas materialists, or nor those who oppose the lokayatas, nor those. uh, nor does he approach with familiarity those who, to provide wicked amusement, beat one another with fists or knock one another down, nor natas, dancers, actors, nor practitioners of any variety of magical games. He also does not approach with familiarity kandalas or outcasts or those who raise pigs, sheep, chickens, and dogs, or those who hunt or fish or cultivate other uh, bad practices. If such a person on some chance occasion come to him, then he preaches or teaches Dharma to them, but hopes for nothing. Right. In other words, he shows them what he represents. He doesn't shy away from them, but... He also doesn't entertain their entertainments. He represents, or she represents, right? The Bodhisattva represents Buddhism, true Buddhism, Lotus Sutra Buddhism. So if you come and talk to me about your hunting trip over the weekend, I'm going to quote Sutra or talk about the preciousness of life maybe my 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 own animals for which I display and care for display a lot of emotion love take care take care of their health right I will take not necessarily an opposite tact but certainly a tact that maybe speaks to a similar subject but with very Buddhist grounding, yeah. That should be enough. (laughs) Also, he does not approach with familiarity bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, and upasikas who seek to be voice hearers, nor does he ask after their well-being. Whether in a room or in a thoroughfare or in a hall or public speaking, he does not stay with them. If on some chance occasion they come to him, he teaches dharma appropriately but seeks and hopes for nothing. Not because he has no hope to convert them, but that, again, as I say constantly, Buddhism and our achievement of Buddha in the practice is our effort, solo. Nobody can give it to you, force him, shoehorn it into your head, right? It's not bequeathed to us. It's something we alone individually achieve. So why would a bodhisattva not seek to hang around with Sravakas, Prataka Buddhas, right? other forms of Buddhists? Because that's not what he or she is about. By, you have to understand the other side of that coin is that by really lending your familiarity to these other groups, you are bolstering their image of themselves, their pride. You're, you're actually promoting a negative. You're becoming an obstacle. Mm. Yeah, that's a different aspect of responsibility we don't often think about. Right? Nor should a bodhisattva, mahasattva take a woman's body as the mark of something that can produce thoughts of desire. So that goes both ways. Right? We're cautioned about this all the time. And remember, again, this is 27 centuries ago. Even though the Lotus Sutra is tremendously uh, progressive in uh, the liberation of women and men as equal, the cultural misogyny and uh, its its opposite, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but all of those dynamics between the sexes, hmm, and today, oh my goodness, we have a whole string of alphabet representing some kind of a pronoun for new inventions of sexual relationships or sex itself. Uh, it, it's insane. And it's insane because it's so deeply samsaric, it's not enlightenment in any form. What you want to do sexually, and I'll say it for everyone to hear, none of my business. That's something you wrestle with. That's you. Do as you wish. I have no control or desire to know. So if any relationships come to you, especially as a bodhisattva, Bodhisattva, Mahasattva, same rule applies. Your companionship, your, your involvement, your engagement is a validation for that behavior. That's not what you want to be validating. As he's said many times already, what you want to validate is the teachings, the Dharma, the knowledge that has brought you to Bodhisattva, Mahasattva status your enlightenment. Teaching that to others is fine. It's up to them to hear it, inculcate it, and um, raise the desire, the aspiration for Buddhahood. You can't force them to do that. You can offer it to them. But if you're hanging around to offer it to them with an agenda to get into the other stuff, whatever that is, now you're insulting Buddhahood, your own achievement. You're debasing your achievement. Why would you do that? For yourself and for the person you purport to be uh, assisting. Mm. Because as your mind goes, so does theirs. It's that simple. Now, this translation that I'm working on for the Lotus Sutra is gonna is not gonna have that kind of dialogue in it. It's focused on the practice, but uh, yeah. So, just a caveat there. Okay, it's not gonna get that far afield. <laughs> But even when preaching the Dharma to her, he should have no desire to see her. It's exactly what I was just saying. If he enters another's house, he does not talk with little girls or maidens or widows, nor does he approach the five kinds of unmanly men. You think that uh, (laughs) ancient India did know about homosexuality and so forth? In order to be friendly with or close to them, he does not enter another's house alone. That's interesting. When there, that's nice. That's nice. You bring somebody along, not as a chaperone, but as uh, although, yeah, but as a chaperone, as a witness, kind of keeps you on your toes, mindful of what you're doing. Yes. When there is a condition under which he absolutely must enter alone, he single-mindedly recalls the Buddha. And I've seen this in every translation. So I, I recall Nichiren's words that I, he was living every moment of his day in Myoho Rengekyo, single-mindedly recalling Buddha, reminding yourself of why you're here, why you're here in the house, why you're here in the city, why you're here in the on the planet, why you are here in the cosmos to witness, to engulf yourself in Buddha, in the preciousness of the engine of life. That's why we're here. And the Bodhisattva Mahasattva ought know that beyond anything else. If he preaches the Dharma to a woman, he does not bare his teeth when smiling, nor show his chest. What do you think of that, huh? You could become a, a Buddha. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my. Not even for the Dharma's sake does he become familiar or close. I know, it's strict. But do you see the reason? The overwhelming representation of dignity in the achievement of this task. It is no small task to cultivate one's buddhaness, awareness, awareness, and then just go gallivanting around like, well, now that I've done that, I can get away with stuff. No, there's plenty of religions you can go participate in that'll be okay with that. But that's not Buddhism. Buddhism is an elevated being, celebrating every moment of being. It's about... Life at its core. Why would you depart? Why would you defile that? That's the whole point. Stop defiling it. That's samsara. How much the less for anything else? He has no desire to rear a young disciple or shamanet, a boy, nor does he wish to share the same master with him, but he never loves to sit in dhyana, improving and collecting his thoughts in a quiet place. Manjushri, this is called the first place which he approaches with familiarity. In other words, the proper familiarity is of Bodhisattva Mahasattva, walking or as... I've seen it uh, translated, coursing as a bodhisattva, a still human formed, enlightened being, witnessing the cosmos, the physical universe, while comporting the mind of enlightenment. You are now an example to yourself as well as the world. Again, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva views all dharmas as empty, in accord with their true marks, not inverted, not moving, nor receding, nor revolving, devoid of character, as empty space has no character. right? Inaccessible of approach by any words, not born, nor coming out, nor arising, nameless, signless, markless, having in truth no being, incalculable and unlimited, unimpeded and unobstructed, existing solely by virtue of causes and conditions, moment to moment to moment to moment, their reality born of inverted notions. That is why he preaches, ever wishing to see such Dharma marks as these, This is called the second place that the Bodhisattva Mahasattva approaches with familiarity. At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to restate this meaning, proclaimed Gathas, saying, if there is a Bodhisattva in the latter age who, with heart free of fear, wishes to preach, teach this scripture, he should enter the place of action and the place of familiar approach ever separating himself from the lords of realms and from their heirs, as well as great ministers and senior officials, those who play dangerous games. And it's also a self-protection, do you see? He just kind of slipped that in there because politician, politicians will take advantage of you. Any time one of the elites of society, whether they're politicians or wealthy corporation CEOs or whatever, come into contact with a strong individual, man or woman, their first thought is how can I take advantage of their power to edify mine? It's a powerful egotistical realm and it's not one that you want to be suited for. So don't put yourself in a situation where you can easily be made or taken advantage of. You will be wasting any effort you make. Because it will not be heard. Everything you say will justify their agenda. You see? And Encandalas adherents of external paths and Brahmins, nor is he to approach with familiarity men of overweening pride, who cling with craving to the lesser vehicle, students of the three storehouses, the Tripitaka, bhikshus who violate the precepts, arahants in name only, or bhikshunis who love to play and laugh, profoundly attached to the five desires. They may be monks, but that doesn't mean they are not monks who are still indulging in the skandhas, right? Or those who seek to display passages, a passage into extinction to wit upasikas. let him approach none of these with familiarity. If such persons as these come in good heart, arriving in the Bodhisattva's presence in order to hear of the Buddha path, may the Bodhisattva then, with a heart free of fear, cherishing no hopes, with no other agenda, teach the Dharma to them. That's your purpose. Widows, maidens, and unmanly men... None of these is here to approach with familiarity, to be intimate with or close to them. Nor is he to approach with familiarity butchers or meat cutters, hunters or fishermen, or any who kill for profit. That's always the caveat here. Those who kill or manipulate kill for profit. If you kill animals to feed your family, that's not the same thing, right? Selling meat for their livelihood, or those who advertise and sell female flesh, of the likes of these, he is to approach none with familiarity. Those who play foolish and dangerous games, such as knocking on one another down, boxing, karate, you know, sport, football, hmm? or engage in any other of such sundry amusements, or prostitutes, let's say it (laughs) clearly, let him approach none of these with familiarity. It doesn't say hold a stick out. It says don't get cozy with these people. They may come to you asking about the, the way and you can teach them some... Dharma, but never get cozy with these people because you will be silly. What's the old song? Or the I forget where it first came from, but I remember Alan Parsons' project used this as a lyric. You lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. There's no more apt little, uh, what? Oh, come on, Celine. Lyric, he is never alone in a secluded place to preach Dharma to women. When he does preach Dharma to them, he is never to joke or laugh, and when he enters a village to beg for food, let him take a bhikshu with him. So pair up. If there is no bhikshu, he is single-mindedly to recollect the Buddha. This, then, is called the place for action, the place of approach. By resort to these two places, one can comfortably teach. Nor again does he course in superior meditate and inferior dharmas, or mediate, sorry, in superior mediate or inferior dharmas. Right. Don't get into conversations with somebody about the uh, merits or non-merits of Zen or Theravada, it's just, it's a, it's a waste of time, other than in teaching the Dharma. But as he says here, he does not course in superior, med- mediate, and inferior dharmas. I don't know what would be superior, but you get the meaning, right? Or in constituted and unconstituted, or real and unreal dharmas nor does he make the distinction, this is a man, this is a woman. He does not gain the dharmas, nor does he, uh, nor know, nor see them. This is then called the Bodhisattva place for action. All the dharmas are empty, having nothing, neither any permanency, nor any arising or perishing. Again, not seeing man or woman, Buddhism is about the mind. So when we as accomplished bodhisattva meet other people we need to consider them minds sexless minds we are dealing with minds sentient human minds hmm? This is called the wise man's place of familiar approach. So this is, a, what do you think approach is? It's attitude. Buddhism is about attitude and intent. Always, always, always. What is your attitude? That's what he's talking about. It is only through inverse discrimination that the dharmas exist or do not exist that they are real or unreal, born or unborn. If in a quiet place, one perfects and collects one's thoughts, dwelling securely and unmoving, as if one were Mount Sumeru itself, observing that all dharmas have nothing whatsoever, being quite like empty space, that they have nothing firm or solid, being unborn, unemerging, unmoving, unreceding, ever dwelling in one mark. This is called the place of approach. Because dharma's experiences are constructs of samsara. It's that simple. So when you sit and you ponder Life, right? Life is energy in formations expressing itself through the worlds, the realms of form. Moment to moment. Nothing sticks. Everything is a moment to moment movement, momentum, inertia. So anything that that confluence of amalgamated energy manifests the thought of an experience, that's samsara. That's not real. That's not true. What is true is this movement, this constant engine of life. This is where we course. This is where the Bodhisattva Mahasattva courses. Observers from within, secret agents of enlightenment. (laughs) I kind of like that. (laughs) That won't be in the book either. (laughs) When a bhikshu or monk, after my passage into extinction, enters this place of action and place of familiar approach. When teaching this scripture, he experiences no panic. What's there to panic? Everything's just happening, right? We're being, we're verbs. The bodhisattva at times shall enter into a quiet room and with right mindfulness view the dharmas in keeping with the doctrine. Then rising from dhyana concentration... For lords of the realm, princes and subjects, Brahmins and the like, enlighten, convert, and set forth, teaching this scriptural canon. His heart is tranquil and subject to no panic, O Manjusri. Such is the Bodhisattva, who, dwelling securely in the first Dharma, shall be able in the latter age to preach the scripture of the Dharma Blossom, Myoho and Kyo. To which Manjushri is i must think, thinking to himself, was that my question? (laughs) I mean, Manjushri was saying, look, these monks are very accomplished. They're all about 60 years old or more. And you're talking about something thousands of years away. How are they going to what? <laughs> and Buddha, Shagimuni just leaps right over that and goes, Bodhisattva is Bodhisattva. Stop confusing the issue with time. <laughs> Constantly he does this. Also, O Manjusri, he's not done yet. If after the extinction of the Thus Come One and in the final Dharma, one wishes to preach this scripture, one must dwell in comfortable activity. In other words, don't stress yourself out. Do what you've learned. Simple enough. One uh, Whether setting forth explication by word of mouth or reading the scripture itself, <laughs> one is to have no wish to mention the faults of men or the scriptural canon, nor is one to hold other Dharma masters lightly or in contempt, or to talk of the good and the bad, and the advantages and deficiencies of others. With respect to voice-hearing men, one is also not to talk of their faults, mentioning them by name, nor, for that matter, is one to laud their virtues, mentioning them by name, nor, again, is one to give rise to a heart of resentment and suspicion. It is because uh, one is skilled at cultivating such comfortable thoughts, as these, that one's listeners shall not oppose one's attentions. If there are objections or queries, one is not to answer them by resort to the dharma of the lesser vehicle, but one is to explain only in terms of the greater vehicle, causing persons to gain knowledge of all modes. Now that's an important, because it comes up in in comments every now and again that I get, um, that last part is critical and something that Nichiren and the doctrine that we follow was very adamant about, and that is that the earlier teachings were all shoju forms of teaching, and you can hear that throughout this, this uh, chapter, right? But there are moments, and we will come to them, where Shakyamuni describes breaking people of their disbelief. In fact, the Lotus Sutra itself is a big old sword of smackdown on the Arahants and all of those followers who have taken his teachings for over 40 years and turned them into something that they're not. But he's guilty of setting up a false premise for them and in the Lotus he breaks it. And we're not there yet um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we have encountered it in the seventh chapter. Remember the parable of the uh, conjured city or the, what is it called in here? The uh, apparitional city, right? That was a big old smackdown. But see, he he did it not to insult the Arahants, although he called him right? H. Kern translated it as now as the trash has left the assembly, we can continue about the Arhats who left the assembly. But he wasn't calling all Arhats trash. He was talking about the Arhats who were arrogant. You see? He was talking about people who thought they had achieved what they had not. And many of them stayed in the assembly, still talking to them and telling them, you think you have achieved what you have not. So there's plenty of strictness in Buddhism, from the founder. But he always teaches from the standpoint of the greater vehicle, of the Myohorengekyo. And Nichiren would pick up on that and actually label that shakubuku. Not for everyone. Not for uh, non-Buddhists, certainly. But his admonitions were strictly uh, toward other schools of Buddhism, especially other schools that incorporated some version or some attitude toward the Lotus Sutra. You know, read Errors in Eight Schools, a writing of Nichiren's. It's very enlightening. So it's what, what's pointed out here is You're admonished not to say, you know, Bruce, he's one of those. He's an idiot. Yeah, that's not acceptable. (laughs) That's different than saying, well, Bruce, like many others, practices this, that, and the other, and those have problems. Here's why. That's okay, because that educates those that you're speaking with. Do you see the difference? So please be aware of that. There is a, a common myth about Buddhists that we're all quiet little meek-mouthed pacifists who who just eat you know weeds and and, and you know what I'm saying, and that that's an old myth, and a lot of people still believe it. And I had one woman come up to me and was, "You don't act like a monk." <laughs> And my question to her, well, how, how does a monk act? She couldn't, she couldn't answer. But obviously she had a lot of programming in her head, right? I didn't take it as an insult. I laughed. Okay. She doesn't know. Nor did I castigate her in front of everyone. She doesn't know. It's okay not to know. If you care to know, I'll I'll spend some time with you. That's all I can do, right? All right, where are we time-wise? All right, I need to wrap this up. So at that time, the world-honored one wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gothas, saying, and here we go with the verse section, that I will save until uh, the next video. In the meantime... You know, I I really hope you guys uh take care of your health. You know, the uh the darn coronavirus is acting up again. It's mutated some more. Uh beyond the uh what was the last one? The Omicron? Now it's this JNR one, whatever it is. Now they're giving it codes. At the same time as funding is being pulled away from monitoring and tracking this stuff. It's its a scary situation, and it's a worldwide situation, so be aware. Uh, this COVID thing is, is no joke. Uh, not everyone gets sick the same way, but uh, certainly for people like me, <laughs> decrepit old guys with diabetes and whatever else, um, yeah, got to really be watchful. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a new... Uh, um, vaccine coming out to incorporate some strengths uh against this new strain Uh, but it's moving fast I don't think we're going to see the end of COVID in our lifetime Um, but the fact that it changes so quickly Uh, unlike you know we get a new flu every year but COVID they say can change and attack two three even four times in a single year it's it's kind of scary you know, and I'm reminded of Nichiren's discuss- discussions on uh, Japan's issue with sickness, right? Famine and pestilence and all sorts of things and, I- and epidemics. And I'm thinking, man, we really need to get serious about our practice and get more people involved. Um, not a scare tactic. I'm just, it's on my mind. So when I say take care of your health, I really, really mean it, okay? Keep your practice strong. Have a watch party. I really like that idea. Um, Because it promotes person-to-person dialogue, right? Um, And maybe I'll get more comments or questions out of that and give me more to talk about, because I need it. (laughs) I need more to talk about. All right, friends, I'm going to let you go. Thanks again for being here, and I'll see you in the next one, all right? Bye for now.